The Lions Tour rumbles on. You're listening to the Oval Office here in Pundit Arena HQ. My name is Brian Barry. With me is Sean McMahon. Sean, mixed week for the Lions. A win against the Crusaders and then that disappointing loss to the Highlanders. Yeah, like obviously that win against the Crusaders was definitely needed. It was the toughest, I suppose, warm-up game, if you can call it that, That's that was scheduled for the Tour. On paper anyway, you know, just with the form that the Crusaders were in. You know, they've been unbeaten this season, 14 wins out of 14. So to kind of beat them as well as the Lions did, like it was just really impressive and it was just the perfect tonic for, I guess, what was a bit of worry and discontent kind of surrounding the team and, you know, coming from the media and, you know, Steve Hansen, there was a lot of like, you know, controversial comments and things like that being made. So it was just a really good uh, win for uh, the Lions and just kind of gave them great confidence going forward into the more difficult games. We saw the opening two games were far from impressive. They fell to the Blues. There was a bit of negativity about it. So last Saturday was really a must-win from that point of view. But then they went out and fell to Highlanders. Is that Warren Gatland saying, I don't really care about the midweek team, it's all about the test team? Are we seeing a serious divide opening up? Um, Yeah, maybe, you know, because... Like it was a mixture. Like you know, like I think Warren Gatlin showed his hand a little earlier than he wanted to against the Crusaders by playing what he thought was going to be close to the Test team. You know, because he needed that victory so much. Like you know, just to take the pressure off and instill a level of confidence within the squad. So obviously those players weren't going to play against the Highlanders because the game was only three days later. So I, what I think, you know, there were certain players like Sam Warburton on the team on Tuesday for the Highlanders. You know, someone who just needed some fitness and some game time under his belt. So there's one or two players like that within the squad who just had to play because they needed some time, who might be involved when it comes to the test matches. But in terms of their a divide being generated, you know, it's only going to be natural. You know, when you reach this stage of the tour, just one week out, just one week out from uh, the test match against the All Blacks on the 24th of June, there is going to be a divide between the two sides because, you know, your favourite players are going to be known. That Crusaders game, though, had it all apart from a Lions try. Do you think that's a worry for Warren Gatlin? I think it might be, you know, because that was against, like, really good opposition and the fact that they failed to get over the line um, they did come close to be fair you know they, there was a lot of uh, chances when they're you know very close to the try line but what will be concerning is just the inability to finish off those moves because when you're playing the All Blacks like we saw in Chicago in the case of Ireland you know anytime Ireland got into the red zone they came away at points if it was a penalty or a try so obviously tries are more important and you need to score tries to beat the All Blacks so that will be a concern um, luckily enough you know some play- like we did score some tries against the Highlanders on Tuesday so that would be um, that would instill a bit of confidence that you know you know that this team is capable of of, of getting those crucial scores, another, albeit against lesser opposition. Another major worry is discipline. They gave away was it twelve penalties in the end against the Highlanders. Uh, the main difference between the Highlanders game and the Crusaders game was that it was a Southern Hemisphere referee. Do you think the lines are struggling with interpretation down there? Perhaps. But at the end of the day, like you know, you look at the players who who played against the who played against the Highlanders on Tuesday, and you know it's their responsibility. At the end of the day, they know beforehand in the build up to the game who's going to be refing the match, what kind of way they interpret the breakdown, the scrum, all the different things that are open to interpretation from a referee. So there's no excuse there, really, to be honest. And you know, people can mention it in the media as an issue, but I don't think it really is. And if the responsibility ultimately is on the players, and a lot of them have kind of ruled themselves out of uh, test contention based on that performance on Tuesday. Sure, we actually are going to take a look at later in the show who is and who's well, who's played themselves out of test contention and more importantly who's played themselves into test contention. But this weekend looking ahead, they're playing the Maori All Blacks. He's named the 15 and 
people are starting to think this is the 15 or this is close to the 15 that's going to start the first test against New Zealand barring injury um Owen Farrell's injury obviously changes a lot of things he's out but all indications are that he may return for the first test nobody knows quite yet obviously earlier in the week since we were we spoke last on this podcast short hog is out for the rest of the tour as well but let me read out the team first lee halfpenny is at fullback on the wings is george north and anthony watson jonathan davis and ben Teo in the midfield uh jonathan sexton connor murray in the halfbacks uh mako vunapola jamie george and toig furlong make up the front row mero toji and george cruz renew their partnership at lock and peter Mahoney, sean o'brien and Tulupi falatau in the back row firstly the main talking point is jonathan sexton at out half he's probably the one the most in peril for his starting place if on farrell returns do you think he's done enough to nail it down I think he's on the right track at the moment. You know, he got off to a really poor start uh, against the New Zealand Provincial Barbarians and the noise were, you know, definitely being sharpened in terms of his test credentials. But knowing the character that Jonathan Sexton has and his ability to bounce back from adversity, you know, we've seen it in the past and he proved that he's proved on this tour with that excellent performance um, he put in against the Crusaders last Saturday. So I think he's actually generating a good bit of form at the moment and he's on an upward curve and hopefully he continues that on Saturday. You know, before the announcement of Farrell that he was going to be out for this game, you know, Warren Gatlin said at the team announcement when Farrell was actually originally included on the bench that Sexton, he wanted to give him another game because he is playing well. And I think the quote from Gatlin was that Sexton has his mojo back. So that's just a, a vote of confidence in, in Sexton. And he obviously cl- see, he clearly sees uh, something in him and that he can get better and potentially lead this team against the All Blacks. Obviously, the other downfall with Owen Farrell being out injured is the possibility of playing that two out halves in the ten twelve axis suddenly becomes a lot more difficult. So they've gone for a complete stylistic change. Ben Teo has come in this time last year. Most people would have laughed if you said Ben Teo was going to start at twelve for the Lions against New Zealand. Yet here we are, and it looks like a distinct possibility. He's been named against the Maori outfit. Do you think he can perform and do you think he's Gatlin's man for 12? I think so, definitely based on the performances that we've seen from him so far in this tour. You know, he played in that game against the Crusaders and, you know, he performed really well. And he was probably the only one of the shining lights at the beginning of the tour when the Lions were uh, were performing badly. So, you know, he he's not just a kind of crash ball merchant. You know, he, he has a really good step, uh, really good footwork and he can offload as well. And that just gives him perhaps that edge over other players in the squad so bar a disastrous performance on saturday i believe he will be playing against the all blacks uh, the week after this this weekend what's really interesting is actually is just the, com- the potential combination of sexton and farrell because that was something that i think gatlin just completely dismissed at the beginning of the tour you know he at any time it was mentioned he he just didn't really entertain the idea or he never gave it much thought in his press conferences but i think based on that performance against the crusaders last week and how seamless they played with one another and they just seemed to really have an understanding which is fantastic because they wouldn't have played with each other before so i think he he was definitely going to give that a give that a look in the second half of this game and unfortunately he won't have the opportunity to do that but knowing Warren gatland i say that could have been something that he would have had up his sleeve going into the all blacks to keep steve hansen guessing captain peter romani does it have a bit of a ring to it it has a very good ring to it i'm absolutely delighted when i woke up this morning to hear the news he's another man who's come in 
he struggled to nail down the starting berth in an Ireland uh, starting 15 because of CJ Stander starting there at 6 for Ireland as a uh, monster teammate but O'Mahony has just worked his way up through it he, Gatlin's obviously impressed with his leadership and just how well he gets on with everybody in the squad owing to the fact that he is now captain against the New Zealand Maori he brings so much to a team he brings work rate he brings ball carrying he brings line out option he brings the breakdown ability but he brings an X factor as well don't you think yeah definitely like you list, listed off all the I suppose rugby elements you know to his game there but like he just has this extra factor of you know being a complete pest and a nuisance to the opposition and it's not exactly something you can you can train in a player you either have it or you don't kind of in the same mould as Richie McCall you know um, kind of playing just on the right side of that uh illegal line I guess you know um, so to have him in the, in the team and for him to be captain I think it's just a great endorsement of of his own personality actually um, and his will to get better and to prove people wrong because like you said you know he wasn't involved in the Six Nations albeit he was coming back from an injury before the Six Nations started so I guess like other people just had the jump on him and you know we've kind of seen with Joe Schmidt he doesn't really he likes to give players their opportunity if they if they haven't done anything wrong which is probably the case with the rest of the back row during that tournament but you know due to that Jamie Heaslip injury against England in the warm-up you know he got his opportunity and he performed incredibly that day in that brilliant win at the Viva Stadium so that really just kind of get him got him back in everybody's thinking. Looking at Sean O'Brien at seven he's an open side in name in my opinion only going on this tour it was expected that Sam Warburton would be the starting seven for the tests or at least Justin Tipperick. But here we are, and we're probably going in without a natural open side, without a natural ball fetcher at the breakdown. And that's something, in my opinion, is very, very dangerous going up against this all-black team. Ireland beat the all-blacks in Chicago, mainly because Josh van der Fleer was there. He was on hand to do the dirty work at the bottom of the breakdown. Do you think the Lions, are they falling into a trap here? No, you make a really good point, but I think what's also important is just the balance in the back row. Just you know, necessarily because he might be regard Sean O'Brien might be regarded, he might be regarded as not a natural open side. It doesn't necessarily mean he can't win that turnover ball. You know, at the breakdown, we've seen it in the past. Like once he gets locked into the jackal position, you're not going to move him. So it's kind of up to him to take on that responsibility. And I thought he did quite well against the Crusaders, and also you know, in Peter Mahoney, you got someone who's really good at the breakdown as well on the blind side. So. Perhaps the work can be kind of dished out amongst the two flankers in that regard and ra- rather completely relying on the person who's wearing the seven shirt. But Ireland have been found wanting the last few years with that 6-7 partnership of Peter O'Mahony and Sean O'Brien, particularly when they've come up against the Wales or come up against an Australia when they do have these top-class open sides playing against them. Yeah, you kind of look back to maybe perhaps the two most disappointing fixtures in recent memory from an Irish point of view, one of them being the Welsh defeat in in the Principality Stadium in Cardiff during the Six Nations. You know, Peter Mahoney wasn't involved that day. You look back to the Argentina game in the World Cup and Peter Mahoney went off with a cruciate knee injury very, you know, quickly into that game. So perhaps, you know, he, you know, if he was on the field in both those instances, we mightn't be talking about like the difficulties at the breakdown or perhaps the apparent... Uh, I suppose deficiencies in Sean O'Brien's ability to win ball there or to secure ball in, in the same regard. So I think oh. it's all based on balance, you know, and we saw it against Crusaders that we slowed down their ball, which was the key to beating that side, and they did it really well. And, you know, there was a, a few crucial turnovers won tur- during that game. So 
hopefully, you know, if if this back if this back row performs well against uh, the Mario All Blacks on Saturday, you can't see Warburton getting in there unless he, you know, he has a really good appearance from the bench at the weekend. And you never know. It depends now if he'll play against uh, the Chiefs on Tuesday as well. Very quickly, just Chalupe Falatau have the number eight jersey wrapped up. Is is it his to lose? Oh, it's definitely his to lose. He hasn't he hasn't played poorly so far in this tour. Um, obviously we've seen Stander play at eight as well. Uh, Stander has done well, you know, and he he probably got a little bit of unfair criticism because I think with Stander a lot of people kind of expect him just to be bashing through players and making man ca- of the ma- match every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, he sets himself a high standard. And uh, but at the end of the day, Stander just gets through a crazy amount of work work rate as well. You look at his stats and he's always near the top in in either tackles or carries made. So it just depends on what kind of performance Warren Gatland. Uh, once from his number eight, but what I think what Stander offers is just that excellent option off the bench, and he covers two positions as well. Sure, I don't think there's a huge amount of debate around the second row pairing of Mauro Otoji and George Cruz, particularly uh, considering how well they know each other. But Alan Jones has put his put his hand up. Yeah, definitely. I don't think Alan Jones was ever going to play today in this game, considering he featured against the Highlanders on Tuesday. So I still think Alan Jones might get in there along with Otoji. Unless Cruz has an exceptional game, but again, Cruz hasn't played poorly so far in this tour, and he's he's really kind of done he's done as much as he can, I guess you know. And obviously, that partnership with Itoji and Cruz, they know each other at club level, and that's something which 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 undoubtedly will be taken into consideration when trying to figure out what the starting locks are going to be for the Test match. Sure, of course, especially in the lineout too with Jamie George at hooker, uh, of course, Mako Vunapola and Tyke Furlong make up the props. We're going to switch our attention now to our, our, our weekly feature on this show at this stage, the who's not and who's not of the Lions. First of all, Sean, we just mentioned front row, we just mentioned Tyke Furlong. He's probably a shoe-in to start, but Kyle Sinclair is making as much noise as possible. Uh, completely. Like any time, I just love seeing him play, you know, because he's just, he's not something we really have come to expect from a tight head prop in the Northern Hemisphere just to have a player who has a really good I guess tank you know he can get around the field so well so quickly and he also has a really good step and his offloading and his hands and the way he can pass a ball is just something I haven't seen from a prop in a very long time and even he I think he was just tearing up the field the yeah. other day against uh, the Highlanders in a way that his scrummaging was absolutely impeccable I thought yeah. and once he went off, the scrum fell to bits. Okay, Dan Cole is actually quite a good scrummager, but obviously they conceded that uh, penalty, which turned out to be crucial at the end. If Kyle Sinclair is there, I, I don't think that happens. I think he's just been the story of the tour. And okay, he might not start the first test, but I think he's going to start at least one. Yeah, it really depends on how the first test match pans out in terms of how the scrum performs, you know, and how Furlong gets on. Like, you know, Furlong is probably one of the best scrummagers in, in world rugby. So... You know, it's just so good for the Lions that we have two absolutely top quality players in that really pivotal position. And what I really like about uh, Sinclair as well is his ability to catch a ball, which is something that you uh, you can't really understate. I think a few times in the Highlanders game, he got the ball thrown at his head at full pace, and he was able to just pick it out of the air. You know, which I can't imagine any other prop would have uh, would have would have held onto it. You know. Obviously, Kyle Sinclair has been fantastic. Another man who stood up for me against the Highlanders was Reese Webb. I think 
is another man who's pushing for a starting place. He's definitely on the match day 23 and he's going to feature, especially in that second half when they need a bit higher intensity, they need quicker ball from the base. He'll certainly be sprung from the bench. Is there any chance of him starting, do you think? No, unfortunately for Reese, I don't think there's any chance of him getting ahead of Murray bar an injury to barring an injury to Connor, you know, like we like Connor Murray's only featured in one game so far and that was against Crusaders and he, you know, he just kind of told the whole world why he's considered to be the best scrum half in the world because, you know, he put in an absolutely masterful performance. Like, you know, his box kicks were near perfect. You know, he just controlled everything. He controlled the pace of the game and how the Lions wanted to play in terms of their backline moves. So, yeah, like I said, like a, a, a really bad injury um, to Connor. Like, you know, Reese Webb just kind of has to be resigned to the bench spot. But the good thing about Webb is that he does offer that little bit of difference to Murray. He'll come on, he'll add a bit more pace to the game. And he's also su- such a threat at the base of a rock as well. You know, he's probably one of the best scrum has in the world for spotting a gap and attacking it with his really good acceleration. That can be a real weapon for the Lions. Yeah, I thought he was just completely fantastic all over the field against the Highlanders. Uh, he played well. Obviously, he bounces off well with uh, Dan Bigger, but he's he's the type of guy I just think has a natural understanding with any out half he pairs alongside. That's a real string to his bow, especially, and you think he's going to come up. Um, you were also impressed with Makovunapola this week. Yeah, brilliant! Like he scrummaged really well, and his scrummaging out of of the three loose head props that are there, his scrummaging probably comes into question a little bit more. Um, but I thought he did really, really well against Crusaders and. Again, kind of in the same mold as Kyle Sinclair, like he just has this innate ability to carry and to, you know, just be, to be able to do things which you don't expect a man of his size to be able to do, which is just fantastic. So I definitely think he's going to be nailed on for the uh, for the, the series against the All Blacks. Whatever about who's hot, we're moving on to who's not right now, who's freezing cold. First of all, I think everybody was a bit disappointed, well, obviously with Short Hogg's injury. But Jared Payne came in at fullback, even though he's recognised by Joe Schmidt anyway as a centre. He played his first game of the tour at centre, but his natural position for many is a fullback, and he did get a chance for fullback when the favourite to start the 15 jersey was injured. If there was ever a time to make a big statement, it was in that Highlanders game for Jared Payne, and I don't think he did. No, not really. Unfortunately for Jared, like. I thought he did okay. Maybe I didn't. Th- I don't think he played as badly as you might. You might think. Um, I think he didn't bring the consistency. I thought he did a lot of things well. He made a good few cover tackles. He made a break or two, but there were two drop balls. There were missed penalties, and he missed uh, a tackle on Naholo as well, which he should be very disappointed about for that try. For fullback, y- you need Mister Consistency before you need these hearing runs for me. Uh, I think Rob Kearney while he was at his best he rarely made a mistake he didn't set the world alight but it's just not about not making mistakes it's the goalkeeper keeper of rugby so to speak to borrow an analogy and for me he's just he didn't show that reliability to suggest that he could go out against the all blacks and do a job yeah with regards to that in terms of his error count i'd have to agree you know like what stood out for me was that one ball which he dropped and he was absolutely you know he's under no pressure like there was no one chase, there was no one coming even close to him like all he had to do was just catch it and either pass to his uh one of his winger colleagues or just kick it back down the field and you know turn over possession straight away and i think the highlanders might have scored soon after that as well so it it proved a crucial moment in the game but you know i think as well with regards to jared payne and who else is uh, not hot in our little list it's the back three in general like no one has really impressed has it 
does anybody want a, a know, tour yeah. starting jersey? I don't think. Because after the Premiership final, I really thought Jack Noel, now there's a guy who's going to start for the Lions against New Zealand. And without doing a huge amount wrong, perhaps he was starved of possession in a few games. But he just hasn't put his hand up, and I don't think anybody has. Tommy Seymour was my bolter from the start of the year. He snuck in just about. He was probably a dark horse eventually when the squad was named, but he got there. Another guy I expected to really make an impact in the first few tests, and okay, he scored that try against the Highlanders, intercepted the crossfield kick, but overall, especially in the first half, he just didn't have enough impact. Liam Williams, people have been very disappointed with. Then Anthony Watson and George North are probably just being selected by default and reputation alone at this stage, and they probably at this stage look like the starting pair for on those wings. Yeah, I think definitely the default option probably applies to George North because he's had what one game so far, and that was against the Crusaders, and he just didn't. Get, he was anonymous in the first half, and he got on the ball a bit more in the second half. But what was at least good from his point of view was that he did defend well during the game, which is what you expect from a winger who's under five kilograms. And over six foot, like, you know, that's what you want. Um, but with that, to be fair to Anthony Watson, you know, when he came on in that, uh, sorry, when he came on in that Crusaders game, like, albeit he was playing in fullback position, but, you know, we just saw kind of the off-the-cuff rugby that he just kind of has, that kind of brain where he can take it upon himself to spot a gap and go for it and use his instincts. And I think Warren Gatlin said after that match that he was a little bit disappointed that he didn't, you know, he did all the hard work, you know, he made that initial line break, he made about 30 metres and he tried to pass it off and he, you know, Gatlin kind of said, you know, he really should have backed himself there to go for it, like, and he wants his players to take those kind of risks. So I think he he's probably benefited from um, the hog injury and probably the 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 out of form I guess um, aspects of like the likes of Liam Williams and things like that so I'd say he's definitely nailed on for one of the back three positions anyway come come the test match um, I'd say North will be on the other wing but you know there's still a few questions to be asked about him as well Lee Halfpenny is a shoe in at this stage for 15 yeah especially if you think about how Owen Farrell isn't there um, so you, you need so that just increases his likelihood to be taking kicks like you know just to have that I guess reliability throughout a game that you know when you have a penalty that he's more than likely going to be able to kick it over as long as it's not too far away. So to have someone like that, even know, if it is far away, I think he's yeah, able he to. He, yeah. If if he were on the field against the Highlanders, perhaps he would have stood up instead of Elliot Daly. He can kick them short. He can kick them long. Mm-hmm. Instead of Dan Bigger missed to kick the conversion for Tommy Seymour's uh, try, then Owen Farrell came off the bench, which and very first thing he did was stand up to a penalty I thought it was very strange particularly considering the fact that Greg Laidlaw had been on the field for 10 or 15 minutes he kicked a few box kicks he was warmed up there would have been less pressure on him rather than Owen Farrell two minutes ago he was sitting down sitting on his ass then he's sprung onto a pitch oh there you go score a penalty please to put us into the lead and obviously Elliot Daly okay it was a shot to nothing you can't uh, give out to the guy but for me, Lee Halfpenny is the most reliable kicker if he is starting at 15. And as you say yourself, it just adds a bit of consistency throughout the game. Yeah, you just need a bit of reliability when you're facing the All Blacks, you know, just to have that kind of confidence in your in your last man of defence, I guess. And, you know, um, Halfpenny definitely offers that. What I would be concerned is his attacking ability. You know, he hasn't really shown that for Wales. Um, I think Gatlin said that, you know, that he is a good counter-attacker, but, you know, that remains to be seen. Sure. Uh, finally, in our who's not section, Sam Warburton, uh, tour captain, 
but we don't know whether he'll be test captain and it's not looking likely at this stage. Yeah, unless like there's a, a really poor performance from one of the back row from either Sean O'Brien or Peter Mahoney at the weekend and you know, he'd have to put in a great second half performance as well to ma- to make his way into that team at the moment. And you know, like we all know Warburton's a great player and we've seen him over the years and the incredible performances that he's put in. But, you know, regardless of all these uh, accusations around, you know, perceived Welsh bias from Warren Gatland, I'd like to think that he wouldn't pick him in the side if he's not playing well. Sure. Um, so, there you have it. There's who we think is hot. There's who we think is most certainly not as well. To go on, it's only a few days to go until the the first test against the All Blacks. Sure to be fascinating. Uh, we're going to obviously be chatting through that game uh, that New Zealand Maori game next week of course we have the Chiefs game during the week as well as the warm up game and Nick Heath of Pundit Arena is heading down to New Zealand as well so we will be hearing from him next week before the first test but now New Zealand are finally out the small matter of those All Blacks that uh, the Lions are actually going up to play against we haven't heard a huge amount from them but they are taking on Samoa this weekend in a warm up game and it doesn't. Steve Hansen doesn't look like a man who's I don't think he'd make a good poker player anyway. He's not not exactly keeping his cards close to his chest on this one. Yeah, he's pretty much put out his strongest side, um, which kind of makes sense to be honest, because like you know, it's been a while since the All Blacks have played together. But yeah, just looking through that team at the moment, and you just kind of think to yourself, it really just kind of rams home the absolute formidable task that the Lions face. You know, just quick. I'll have a quick run through the the first fifteen. You got Joe Moody, Cody Taylor, Owen Franks in the front row. Brody Retallick and Sutton Whitelock, arguably the best lock partnership in the world. Jerome Kano, Sam Kane, Artie Savea in the back row. And then you have a back three of Ben Smith, Israel Dagg, Anton Linnert-Brown. Or sorry, Julian Savea, I should say. And then in the centre is you have Sonny Bill Williams, Anton Linnert-Brown, and then Aaron Smith and Bowden Barrett at the ha- in halfbacks. Like, Not how too do you, bad. How so. do you uh, perform against that? Like, <laughs> That's what we've been trying to figure out yeah. for the past 26 minutes so far in this podcast. But, um, yeah... It's, they're just flexing their muscle aren't they uh, I think we're not going to see a no show uh, a slow start like we saw from the Lions in their first game of the tour I no. know it's a while since New Zealand played was it the France victory was I their last game I think the France game yeah in November was their last match so it's been a while since they played together in the interim period they have been beating lumps off each other in Super Rugby been beating lumps off the All Blacks individually with their Super Rugby sides over the last few weeks but coming all together they're too talented not to be able to gel, really, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Like, I think it's for a case, for, with regards to Samoa, it's definitely a case of lambs to the slaughter, I think. What I'm actually really interested about is looking at the bench. Uh, Jordy Barrett is named there. He has, he's been uncapped, and we've watched him this season for the Hurricanes, and he's just been absolutely, just a breath of fresh air, just absolutely off-the-cuff rugby. Just, like, playing like a real, a guy of his experience, you know, he just goes out there and does it, you know. He doesn't have, doesn't seem to put too much expectation on himself, and he's just a real natural player full of confidence so like for me the whole area around the fullback position for the All Blacks is going to be really interesting you obviously got the stalwart that is Ben Smith there starting but I think if you know Jordy comes on and performs well you know you never know with Steve Hansen he might want to throw a spanner in the works there and put Jordy in for the test against the Lions Sure so that isn't the only international test on this weekend we are going to leave Lions on New Zealand aside for now we will obviously be back next week when we do have the big preview finally for the first test uh, n- this time next week but England against Argentina was undoubtedly the game of last weekend it's, Nigel Lones tweeted after the game saying it was just a pleasure to be part of and rightly so it was a cracking test 
Uh, it was absolutely brilliant. I think in the first 20 minutes or so, it was, uh, you know, it was kind of frustrating. There was a lot of mistakes made from both sides. But, you know, the conditions are absolutely perfect. I think the game was played in San Juan and, you know, sun was shining. You got a really hostile atmosphere, crowd, you know, it's just brilliant. And literally the two teams just ran it at each other for the whole 80 minutes. And, you know, just when you thought Argentina in the second half were going to like pull off a really, you know, famous victory against England, like who they, um, you know, there's no love lost there between those two countries. You know, Denny Salamana, who was actually the villain in the build-up to two of England's tries, um, he, he came on in the second half off the bench, and he just like he just got like he left. He was left wanting really in a defensive aspect. Like he just didn't read the situation correctly, which is what you want from your winger. For you, is the hype unjustified? Um, no, I think it is justified because you can just tell from the try he scored in the very last minute of the game. For him to have the balls to do that is just absolutely out of this world like you know he picked up the ball pretty much in his own half around the halfway line okay there was some poor tackling from Argentina but he just he just showed the absolute strength and raw power that he has when he literally like ran over three Argentina players and then stepped around their fullback and in under the posts and England had the game Ireland faced Japan after a relatively routine win over the US Keith Earls was the story of the match were you impressed with them overall oh uh, yeah like I think, like, well, from an individual perspective, I think Keith Earls was just amazing. Like, you know, um, he gets a lot of, I think, unfair criticism from some aspects um, in the media, just in terms of, you know, he might have had one or two high-profile missed tackles or something in the past in big games, and you know, that's just something that's kind of hung around, uh, hung around him for plenty of years, you know. But like, not only did he score two tries, but he set up at least another two with some really good offloads and passes, and he just completely destroyed that USA defense. Um, unfortunately there were some poor performances and that was Joey Carberry he just kind of he really looked out of his depth a bit like you know he couldn't he couldn't read the situation of the USA line speed they were kind of offside but they were coming up very quickly and I was speaking to Ron Lagarde during the week and he said obviously he was coach coaching uh, the Irish team in the build up to that game and he just said he just didn't adapt his depth during that game you know he should have taken a few more steps back when he was receiving the ball from the rock or for the scrum and he just didn't do that um, he said it was a mistake but he'd be more worried if Joey Carberry didn't learn from that in the next game. Sure, you can read a lot of Ron Nogara's thoughts where he chatted from Lions formations to starters and, of course, chatted about the Ireland team all on PunditArena.com. Don't forget his little dig at James O'Connor as well. Uh, and over on Twitter, we did see Adam Jones not necessarily dis- or agreeing with Mr O'Gara on that count. Yeah. But the other two tests this weekend are Scotland against Australia and South Africa versus France, so do make sure to tune in for them. Now moving along to something quite different, Ireland tamely exited the Under-20 World Cup, uh, losing all their group games 12 months on from actually reaching the final of that World Cup. Last year was a more fruitful year for Irish youth. One of the stars of that side was Adam McBurney, an Ulster hooker we're likely to see wearing the green in a senior setup in the next few years. Sean, you did catch up with him and we did ask him where it all went wrong for Ireland this year. Yeah, look, I think uh, them group stages are really important. Like, uh, the first game against Italy obviously didn't go to plan, but if you see the Italy and Scotland game, they only lost out by a couple of points. And at that tournament, it's all about just getting through them games and uh, and, and winning no matter what, what it takes. And whether you win with one point or 50, it doesn't matter. It's just about building momentum into the next game. And obviously coming out of them first two games, disappointed with, uh, disappointed with losing, but a small margin it didn't give him much confidence going into the All Blacks game maybe and uh, 
if you look at the start of that championship too, they obviously lost a couple of key players before they even went into it. Yeah. A couple of tens and uh, Killing Gallagher was another miss out mm-hmm. for them. So all the experience that they had from last year, uh, they couldn't even bring into this year because of that. And uh, they had to go then with a few younger players and they've got quite a young side, which maybe at that tournament they could do with a bit more experience to be able to pull through and get them them wins, which they just fell out on against the Scotland and Italian sides. And then a thing against New Zealand, they were just outplayed completely maybe. Yeah, out of their depth because that's. I read today. I think there was like seventeen injuries, which is incredible. Like you know, for such a what what you would expect to have, you know, a small enough squad. Like so, that's obviously gonna that was gonna have a serious impact on, you know, their ability to win games throughout the tournament. But um, I guess just looking at it, like obviously, like I say, pre- preparations weren't ideal. Just you know, with the sudden announcement of Nigel Carlin that he was taking up that role with Connacht. Um, do you think that had an influence at all on? on maybe the squad's preparations or anything like that? I'm not too sure. Peter Malone's a great coach too, so uh, I'm sure he would have had his touch on uh, the squad and be able to draw it around right, but obviously Nigel was great and that might have changed things up a bit from them getting sort of structured together for the Six Nations and then maybe having to change it a bit for the World Cup, so they might not have had that same game plan. It might have been different and it might just take a bit longer for that side to gel into that new structure. Yeah. Yeah. but no, like I said, Peter Malone's a great coach, so uh, I'm sure he would have had his touch on it too. Yeah, and just with regards to the players now, obviously, you know, it's a disappointing campaign. They'll have one more game left. I think I think they're going to play Georgia for that ninth place playoff. So, like, obviously, they'll want to finish the campaign on a high, but ultimately, when they return from camp and they come home from Georgia, you know, they'll have a bit of time off. But will they, will they be motivated to step on from their experience and just kind of make the next step up, I guess, in their careers? Yeah, well, I'm sure a lot of them will probably be coming into uh, a pre-season. They'll get a bit of time off and then they'll probably end their pre-season, hopefully with their provinces, which is obviously good to take back what they learned in that learning curve from uh, from Georgia in that tournament of, of everything mm-hmm. to that pre-season. I think when it comes back to playing club rugby and uh, All-Iron League, it's good to be able to play that step above and then stepping back into it and hopefully then performing better than what they did last year at that level. And... Uh, then once you go into the higher games, like the A games and stuff, yeah. uh, it's a lot easier than what it would be if you hadn't played at that level before. And Adam, just to kind of switch the focus on yourself at the moment, <clears throat> you obviously came through perhaps like a non-traditional route in terms of your rugby career um, as a youngster. I guess like um, a lot of players would kind of go through private schools or traditional rugby schools, but you kind of started off your rugby, ca- rugby career at Randallstown Rugby Club. Um, could you maybe just tell us a little bit about um, how you kind of came through the system? Yeah, so uh, I started off at Rounds Time whenever I was about 9 or 10 uh, and came right through there until I was 18 and then uh, I had to just move on to Balamina for all Iron League standard rugby. But Rounds Time was great for me. Like The coaches were brilliant and it's probably the most enjoyable rugby I've ever played with a great group of lads and the coaches were brilliant too. So Rounds Towns uh, did everything that they could possibly could for me to help me come through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got into the Irish stuff, Irish setup at under 18s and managed to play right through the 20s and Ulster then picking up from there. So obviously I didn't play as much school rugby as other fellows and maybe I didn't train as much as other people, but every time I did train at Ramos Town, it was great and I always learned something new every day. So I was thankful for that. Was there any ever like a situation where like, you know, you would have came into like, um, you know, the national setup at, at underage level and all of a sudden like your your new playing colleagues are kind of guys who would have been 
you know, within the other three provinces, like, you know, and, they, and Ulster as well, in terms of they would have came through these really high level, I guess, you know, they would have had high level coaches in schools and things like that. Like, did you ever, did you ever think, oh, you know, these guys are maybe a higher standard than me and you have a bit of catching up to do? Was, was there, was that ever an instance? I think it was uh, my under-19s year was the first year I came in with Ulster uh, and I realised that there was so it was obviously it was only myself that came through from the clubs into the Ulster-19s so uh, and so I was out there and obviously they had, they had always gelled as a team already so I was just coming into it and I was just trying my best to learn everything I could thankfully I had uh, Brian McLaughlin as a coach so he, he brought me up to scratch pretty quick and after a couple of weeks, my confidence just built from there, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed the tougher test of training and playing with the school lads too, because they were a step above. But I think the more effort and training you put in, you catch up pretty easy, and uh, it's good. Yeah, and I guess as well, like you know, I'm not sure if you watched the Ireland USA game at the weekend, but you know the likes of you know Jacob Stockdale, Andrew Porter, and James Ryan all featuring. You know, you would have played with them at either you know national or provincial level. Um, like when you're like, what were your feelings like if you if you watched that game and like just in terms of like you know they're making their Ireland debuts and you know you know these guys pretty well and that the opportunity is there for you as well like you know if you can take it. Yeah, so Jacob's actually my one of my house kids, so uh, yeah, uh, it's really it's really good, especially seeing him doing so well. He's put a lot of effort and work in uh, over this like, past year to get there. But even seeing the likes of Porter and James Ryan uh, doing so well, I'm just really pleased for him because they're great players and great lads and. I think they deserve the opportunity that they've got. Uh, obviously, I'd say I'd like to be there myself, but yeah. uh, I'm still probably a bit off that. Yeah, I've had quite an injury-struck year, so uh, mm. for me personally, it's just try to keep on the film and hopefully get a, a shot next year with Ulster and see how I go from there. Yeah, and I guess like just in terms of your hopes for the next season, like you obviously said, you want to hopefully you know get more opportunity, hopefully break into that senior team. I know you have like another year left in the academy, at least anyway. Um, Obviously, you know, there's new coaches coming into the Ulster setup, so I guess it's kind of, there might be an opportunity there to, you know, it's like, a, I suppose, a fresh slate in the instance that you have the opportunity to impress some new coaches and kind of lay down a marker. Yeah, definitely. The, the new coaches come in, Jono, will be great, especially for the forwards. Uh, and yeah, like you say, new faces, is different opinions too. So I think come pre-season, I just have to hit it hard from there and, and give them all and show what I'm capable of. And hopefully the coaches like what I have to offer and, then I might get that opportunity come the start of the season. Uh, if not, just keep working hard and hopefully it'll come at some stage. Uh, but even at that, I think I'm still just keep improving physically and tactically and technically and just go from there. And in terms of a physical point of view, what's the main area that you want to work on? Uh, just really uh, put on a couple more kilos. Uh, I'm pretty happy with where I am at the minute physically, but I can always still improve in that. And pre-season will be... Uh, a big test and we get stronger, a bit fitter and faster and see how I get on. But uh, I'm not too uh, disappointed where I am at the minute, but can always improve. And what's, the, and what's the biggest challenge in terms of trying to bulk up? Like, would it be more of a, from a, what you do in the gym or is it like a nutritional point of view? Like, what would you find the hardest uh, aspect, aspect of it all? I'd say more a nutritional point of view would be probably best for me. Uh, just uh, learning and getting used to maybe the physical standards of what senior rugby is going to hold for for likes of myself so just getting used to that there more so than than gym work would be the best for me yeah and i guess like you know for playing with like ballymena as well in the ail like how does that experience as well kind of help you like you know because we've seen a lot of players in the past like you know 
kind of it's good to see that the the club league in the, in this country is kind of still producing players or you know you can actually get through in that pathway obviously we've seen Joey Carberry you know how he you know playing for Clontarf helping them win the title last season and then all of a sudden you know he's he's in the Ireland uh set up like you know so I guess like do you think there's an opportunity for players who are playing in the AIL um to kind of make that breakthrough yeah definitely the all Ireland league's a great competition so it's very competitive and uh it's a very physical league, so playing at Ballymena really helps there and uh, gets you a good run of competitive games going before maybe you get pulled into the B&I Cup squad or something like that. But uh, yeah, like you say, it's always an open door and there's always the eyes watching you playing week in, week out, which is good for everyone. Maybe people that aren't involved in any setups and people that are just to keep improving. So yeah, not all Iron League's great. It's a good standard up there and it's really enjoyable. Yeah, and just looking back then as well, like just in terms of Ulster's season, um, you know, obviously it was you know disappointing European campaign and in the Pro 12 as well, you know, because a club like Ulster, you know, they're always going to be striving for silverware. But maybe if you could just like provide us like with a little bit of insight into kind of the mood in in the Ulster camp over the last couple of months in the second half of the season, and you know, what's the kind of main? Obviously, you would have had a, would have had a meeting at the end of the season in terms of what you want to achieve next year and kind of a review of what went wrong. Could you maybe just provide us with a little bit of insight with regards to that? Yeah, look, it's always been very positive, so it has. Uh, everything's always looking forward and just on to the next game, and just unfortunately a couple of results didn't go our way. Mm-hmm. But uh, next season, uh, it's just the exact same. It's going to be fresh faces and going to start from new and go from there. Obviously, the start of last season was great with five wins at the start, and yeah. we hope to build off to that again with uh, a great start to the season. But uh, everyone's just keeping positive and looking forward to uh, a new Champions Cup group uh, and a new start to the league and just looking on for some silverware next year. Yeah, and obviously, you know, the Lions is like the big topic at the moment. You know, you can't actually get away from it anywhere you look. But uh, have you been watching it uh, much over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, yeah, I've watched every game pretty much, yeah. so uh, I've caught up on them all anyway. Yeah. Um, it's been pretty good, Re- real good standard and really enjoyable watching. So, And do you think uh, the Lions actually have a chance against the All Blacks? Uh, well, at the minute, uh, it's just... It's interesting to see, obviously, with the changing of teams uh, mm. every game. So I think they're just probably trying to build momentum leading up to that first test. And you just never know. It depends almost what what, what kind of day or Lions. Lions perform really well, then yeah. you definitely back them. But if you see them really well too, it's always going to be a tough challenge. But it's good to know that they are beatable. Obviously, Ireland beating them last year yeah. was, was a massive success. And uh, it's good to see that they aren't... Uh, they aren't unbeatable, so it's yeah. obviously for the Lions, and the Lions will just keep improving up to that first test, and it'll be really interesting to watch. Yeah, and how do you think uh, Rory Ian and Jared have been getting on? I think they've been getting on great, so I have to think Hendy played a great game today. It was probably one of his best games. Uh, it's really good to see that three Ulster lads are involved, so uh, now I wish them all the best, and uh, hopefully I can get that nod for the first test and get the start and get in the squad. That was Ulster hooker Adam McBurney. Uh, unfortunately, that's all we do have time for here in Pundit Arena HQ. You've been listening to the Oval Office podcast with myself, Brian Berry, with Sean McMahon. Uh, if you did enjoy, do subscribe on SoundCloud, on iTunes, etc. If you haven't done so already. Our thanks as well to producer Dave O'Regan. And we'll be back next week when it's finally the week of the first test, the Lions versus the All Blacks.